Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Good, I'm going to pray. So Lord, I just want to thank you that in every season, in every situation, that your hand is there, that you are with us, that you are faithful even though we struggle. We want to thank you that we have an opportunity right now to allow you to speak to our hearts. And we just want to prepare ourselves right now to receive from you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be uh, looking, as Dave said earlier, at the life of a man called Elijah. Elijah. Now, if any of you have heard of Elijah, he was a prophet. So that means that he was a person that God spoke to and asked to go and do something, and he spoke to the people. So a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of another. So, hey, guess what? We're in a room full of prophets. Because when you go out from here and you share with people what you heard at church, you're speaking on behalf of God. So take that with you. We've all got some serious responsibility. It's all good, isn't it? It's all good. But this particular man, Elijah, he was a very interesting character. He effectively came from virtually nowhere. We don't know who his parents were or anything like that. He basically just appears and he, he appears in, in the Old Testament, in the books of the kings, and he has a distinct task that God gives him. And that task is to go and sort out the people of Israel, because they're in a little bit of a mess. Okay. You see, unlike today... There were a people who really didn't know who God was. There were a people who were completely obsessed with material things. There were people who were completely obsessed with following the crowd and playing Pokemon Go. Um, a lot like today, really. You see, we th- as people, we seem to have this thought process that we're so much further advanced than the people that were centuries ago. We're not at all. The same problems we have today are exactly the same problems we had then. We just have technology to tell us about it. Nothing's changed. And Elijah was tasked with going and sorting it out. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> but he, uh, he, he arrives at this time of people that, and this is especially for you, Chris, conform. And Elijah did not conform. He didn't conform to the pattern that the world had set, that the people that were, were in. And this false idol called Baal had been put as God. And the people all conformed to worship in Baal because the king, who was called Ahab, everyone say Ahab. Good, well done. He was the king and he forced the people to worship Baal. And they did. But Elijah 
did what it said in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he put his trust in God. And he didn't conform with the people. Does that sound familiar for you? Are you in a situation where there are times that you conform? Because I know I do. That you follow the path that the other people are taking. See, Elijah's character was one that he didn't respect men. He respected God. Amen. And um, he took on an entire nation because he knew it was right. For some of us, we find it hard to take on our workplace. Sometimes we find it hard to take on our home. But when we look at the life of Elijah, wow, it's inspiring. He took on a nation on his own. And the way he did it was he went to go and see the king, King Ahab, and he said, it will not rain now until I say it's going to rain. And then he leaves. (laughs) He just goes. And guess what happens? There's a massive drought. Elijah is public enemy number one. And he is commanded by God to go to a ravine. Some translations say Cherith, some say Kerith. But effectively the translation means the place of cutting off. And that's where Elijah is sent. And he's got no food, but there is a brook. So he's got some water. But God commands ravens to bring food to him. But not just food, bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, the burger at the brook. God just supernaturally provides when he sends. God supernaturally does amazing, incredible things when he sends, when we are obedient to what it is that he's calling us to do as we step into it. Laura and I are in a situation where we're moving and we needed a house. We prayed about it and we said, God, you know everything. You know what you've called us to do. You know what you've asked us to do. You're sending us to this place. So if you're sending us, give us a house. I don't want to look. I don't want it to be expensive. I want it to be big enough and I want it to be better than what we've got now. Amen. (laughs) A family from the church at RLC sent us a message via Facebook to say, are you still looking for a house? So we said, yes, we are. Said, well, we've not told anyone this yet, but we're looking to relocate. But we don't want to get rid of the house. We want to keep it. And we have bills that we want to keep paying. So we want to offer you the house at 
a set price, but it includes the rent, all of the bills, the telephone, the broadband, and Sky TV. Are you okay with that? <laughs> it's four bedrooms, it's got a big garden, and they're even going to leave the trampoline. <laughs> Isn't God incredible? You see, we're going to the place of cutting off, but God's supernatural provision provides. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and God pours in. What an amazing God. So Elijah finds himself at the Kerith Ravine, and uh, he is cut off, he's isolated, he is alone. And what begins to happen is that the brook begins to dry up. The, the supply begins to be cut off. And I'm fairly sure that in Elijah's mind, he would have been saying something along the lines of, but you sent me here. You put me here for a reason. Now you're cutting off the supply of what's keeping me alive. Why would you do that, God? Why would you do that? Because it's time to move. You see, in your life, God's going to be start cutting things off. Because he wants you to be reliant on the provider, not on the provision. He puts things in your life, not so that you would rely on the provision that's been given, but you'd rely on the one that sent it. Elijah recognizes, knows, and understands one thing. His God is faithful, and there is no possible way there's not another thing coming. So he prays, and God speaks, and God says, I'm commanding you to go to Zarephath. It's an interesting name, isn't it? And, hello. And uh, there's a widow that I've commanded there to feed you. So, go to Zarephath. <laughs> Stage invasion. So, he gets to Zarephath and he meets a widow at the gate on the way in. And uh, he says to her, oh, can you get me a drink? And she says, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, when you go and get the drink, I want you to make me some bread and bring it back to me. And she says, I'm sorry, but I'm a widow. I don't have anything. I literally have enough flour and oil to make one more piece of bread that my son and I are going to eat and then we're going to die. Who knows that makes no sense? God, you've just sent me to Zarephath because you've commanded a widow to feed me and now she's got nothing. What? That doesn't make any sense, does it? But Elijah sees something that we probably wouldn't see. He sees that not only is this an opportunity for him to be well fed and looked after it's an opportunity for him to change someone's life you see 
the God we serve isn't the God of just raising the dead. He isn't just the God that cures and heals leprosy. He isn't just the God that comes in and lifts the lame man up and makes them walk. He doesn't just give people their sight. He's the God of the everyday miracle. The provision that comes from just being obedient. When you don't know when that next meal is going to come and the phone rings. Hey, look, we've been thinking about you. We've got a meal for you tonight. That's the God I serve. That's the God I know. Personal experience for me and Laura. Completely and utterly ran out of money. Nothing left. Phone rings. Hey, why don't you come and have a meal with us? Why don't you come and spend some time with us? We want to take you guys out as a family. We want to feed you. (sighs) And the money comes in the next day. But God provided. He's the God of the everyday miracle. The everyday miracle. And the widow does what every good widow does and says, okay, well, if you say it, I'll do it. And the tiny bit of flour that she has in a jar and the tiny bit of oil that she has in a jar neither run dry, neither run out. There is always enough. Wow. What an incredible, incredible God. Jesus alludes to this moment when he's talking to the people because he wants us to recognize something. The woman that he goes to speak to isn't a Jew. She isn't a Jew. She's in Zarephath. She doesn't have the same faith system that Elijah has. But God sends him anyway. How about you this morning? Maybe you're not fully there yet. Maybe your belief system's not quite the same as mine. But God's sending me to talk to you anyway. God wants to reach in and make a difference anyway. God wants to begin to change your situation now anyway. Wow. You see, here's the other crazy thing about the situation, is that Zarephath is the home of King Ahab and Jezebel, his wife. So not only does God send Elijah to a place where there's no food, (laughs) after he said there would be food, to the widow, he sends him directly into the heart of the enemy's home. Wow. And you think you've got it tough. (laughs) God knows. He knows exactly what he's doing. You see... They're provided for, but they're in the enemy's house. They're in the enemy's place, they're in the enemy's city. And even though they don't really understand exactly how this is all working, there's one thing that they know. God's behind it. God's behind it. But then tragedy strikes. And Elijah is blamed. <laughs> just for being there, because the widow's son dies. And the widow does the one thing that she knows, and she goes to Elijah. But she doesn't say, oh, come and help me. She says, why have you brought a curse upon me? 
How many of us in life enjoy the blessings of God, yet when things get tough, we ask him why he's punishing us? That's not what God's about. That's not what God's about. Elijah sees an opportunity. Now, this is the bit then, this is where it begins to get a little bit difficult for Elijah because he's got a weeping woman who's screaming and shouting and blaming him for the situation and he's got a dead boy. (laughs) What would you do? I know exactly what I would do. (laughs) And it would not... (laughs) We go and pray for the boy. (laughs) But Elijah does. He goes and prays for the boy. He goes and he stands in the boy's room and says, right, now you're God, you're going to sort this out. So he lies down on the boy, prays, and the boy comes back to life. Did you hear that? The boy comes back to life. Wow. At this point, as we try and wrap our head around it, God hasn't actually, through a person, raised anyone else from the dead. Elijah's the first one. So, what does that tell you? Believe for the impossible. Believe for things that you've not seen yet. Believe for things that you aren't expecting to happen because God is capable of doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or imagine. Wow, what a God. And he raises the boy. And the family is restored. Then... Elijah needs to go back to see a guy who the last time he'd met him, he said, it's not going to rain. So Elijah, who's public enemy number one, needs to now go and see the one person who he doesn't really want to be seeing, the king. So Elijah meets King Ahab. And they come up with a deal. And Elijah basically makes this deal easier for the king. He says, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. He said, I'll ask my God to bring fire down from heaven. You ask your God to bring fire down from heaven. And whichever one shows up, we know he's God. Now, Baal was said to be one of the gods who could bring down fire. Elijah's waiting this towards them. And then they go to Mount Carmel, which is a mountain. And uh, they go up the mountain. They make a couple of altars. Elijah has one. And the prophets of Baal, all 450 of them, because he's weighing it in their favor. You bring all the people you want. Not a problem. And they begin to ask Baal to bring down fire from heaven. 
Elijah basically says to the people, look, if Baal is God, then serve him. But if God is God, serve him. We'll see. And the prophets of Baal begin doing really silly things, like cutting themselves and shouting and squealing and wailing and and all these kind of things. And guess what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. So Elijah takes the opportunity, and this is one of my favorite things in the Bible. It's just how brilliant, brilliant just the thought process of God can be that Elijah says these great words. Maybe your God has gone to the toilet. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Maybe he's gone to relieve himself. Is that why he's not here? And he's taunting the enemy. And he says, you know what? I've had enough of this. It's not happening, is it? So they say, okay, your go. And he said, okay, well, I'm not really very happy with the situation at the moment. It's not difficult enough. So what we're going to do, I want to dig a trench around the altar. Can we do that? So dig a trench around the altar. He said, now what I want us to do is I want us to fill up jars of water from the sea, bring them up, and we're going to pour them all over it. I want it soaking wet. So just in case you think this was an accident because it's dry, we're going to make it wet so it can't just catch fire. Is that okay? They think the guy's mad. So they go up, they do it even to the point where the trench itself is full of water, everything is completely soaked. Elijah gets down on his knees and says, Lord, bring down fire from heaven. Prove yourself to these people that you are God and you are the one true living God. Bang, fire falls down from heaven. No cutting, no wailing, no squealing, no God that's gone to the toilet. Bang, just job done. Wow. In your work situation, you know what? It could look like things are starting to get hard. It could look like that as you begin to step out, everything seems to be drenched and it's not going to catch fire. It's going to seem like we can't quite get it to work. You serve the God of the impossible. See, not only was the fire that fell all-consuming... The sacrifice was gone, the altar was gone, the stones were gone, the trench was gone, and all the water was gone. Nothing was left. That's what God's going to do in your situation. Nothing's going to be left. Nothing's going to be wasted. God's going to take it, and he's just going to go bang, and we're just going to see an amazing thing. But it stems from Elijah's obedience. You don't just walk into a miraculous situation. You see, there's a lot of, in the Bible, one day. What you don't see are the 364 days that went before the one day. Elijah spent three years preparing for this. But what a moment. What a God. God wants to release something in the house. God wants to release something in you. The same God that dwelt with Elijah, that walked with Elijah, dwells and lives within you.
See, Elijah didn't experience God the same way you do. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in Elijah. He came upon Elijah as he was required and left again. Yet we get the privilege of knowing the Holy Spirit living in us every single day. Wow. He's a one-day God, isn't he? Guess what? Today's one day. And tomorrow's one day. And the day after that's one day. We're going to do and change this entire community because today's one day. And we're going to make the most of it, aren't we, church? Good. The next thing I just want to talk about for Elijah is that we're going to skip on to the end of his life. And Elijah does something amazing. After he's spent time with the prophets of Baal and he's sorted those guys out, he does what every good man does, and that's, you know, gets confronted by a woman and runs away. And um, Jezebel does her thing and gets all, like, fighty, and he's all like, ah, can't hit a woman. And he runs, and he runs away. And while he's run away, God meets with him. And he recognizes God's voice. See, it wasn't in an earthquake. It wasn't in a whirlwind. It wasn't in a great noise. It was in a whisper. He got quiet and alone, and he allowed God to speak. Now, this is what I find incredible about what God says. God doesn't tell him about the next great thing he has to do. He tells him to anoint a new king, and he tells him to find a successor. In the still quietness, God thinks about the next generation. Elijah has an opportunity to sow into what comes next. So he's told to go and find Elisha. Elijah goes to Elisha, and Elisha becomes his, we'll call it, uh, apprentice. It's more really of a servant. <laughs> you know, it's like, you will do whatever it is he tells you to do. But surprisingly, I've, I've done some research and found out that even though Elisha was following Elijah, and Elijah was his master, Elisha wasn't always with him. He was off being trained on how to be the person he needs to be in the right place. Sometimes we've got to leave where we are to go to the place of training. Sometimes we've got to leave the people that sow into us the most to go to the place of training because it's the right place for us to be. And Elisha was at the schools of the prophets, the sons of the prophets. And there was a school where they taught people who were prophets how to do the job. Wow, what a perfect place to be. And if you're Elisha, very lucky because Elijah was a pretty stinky bloke who wore loads of... Uh, fur and ate weird things so yeah good not to be with him all the time get some good grub down here some decent clothing fantastic but Elijah comes along on his last day and he takes Elisha on a journey and the whole time he's saying to Elisha don't follow me please don't follow me and they go to the schools of the prophets and there's three of them that they visit 
And they go in these three places. And every single time they get to one of these sons of the prophets, they all say to Elisha, you do know that your master's leaving today. He's going. So, yes, I know, shut up, stop telling me. (laughs) It's actually what it says. It actually says, yes, shut up. (laughs) Fantastic. And Elijah says to Elisha, Okay, you can come with me. And Elijah performs another miracle. And he splits the Jordan River to the left and to the right. And they walk across it. What's this? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, just walk down to the River Lem. (laughs) Don't fancy the bridge today. (laughs) Come on, God. (laughs) It's crazy. And he splits the river and walks across with Elisha. Then, what he does is he says to Elisha, what do you want me to do for you? That's the question I ask of you, church, today. What can I do for you? I'm due to go. And as a family, we ask, what can we do for you? And Elijah asked this question, and I think that he may already have known what response he was going to get from Elisha, just as I know what response I'm going to give you. Elisha says, I want a double portion of what's on your life. Elijah's response is, well, that's not the sort of thing I can just give you. (laughs) But if you see me taken to heaven, it's yours. And then the chariot of fire comes in a whirlwind and Elijah's taken to heaven. And the cloak that he's wearing, they call it a mantle, falls off and goes to Elijah, Elisha. Elijah was about the next generation. Elijah was about what comes next is going to be even better than what's here now. That's the word for this house. What's coming next is even greater than what is here now. What an amazing God we serve that he would even consider. It blows my mind to know where we've come, to know that he's got even more. Wow. But it's going to take us all to get involved. So, Elisha then goes and does a miracle. And when I say goes on and does a miracle, what I mean is that he's got to cross back over the Jordan. He takes the mantle, the rolled up coat, the same way Elijah did, and he strikes the river. And he says, Where now is the God of Elijah? You see, Elisha made a mistake. It's not, where's the God of Elijah? It's, where's the God of Elisha? It's, where is the God of Anne? Where where is the God of Melissa? Where is the God of Pat? Where is the God of Naya? 
Where is the God of Felix? And the river splits and divides. And Elisha walks across and everybody knows that Elisha's got something now. See, we know more about Elisha than we do about Elijah. And Elisha goes on to do some amazing, incredible things that are just beyond, just ridiculous. Even to the point where he himself can see the armies of heaven when they're completely surrounded and encamped. He's the one guy not panicking when an army comes in because he can see what God's about. He can see what God's on with. That's my prayer. That as we go, you'll see a double portion. You'll see the armies of heaven. You will see the goodness and mercy of God now. And it will be bigger and greater than it has been before. And we don't say that in the sense of me being arrogant of I've carried anything. But in the brilliance of God. That he can do it. He can do it. I'm going to be selfish and ask for testimonies come out of this house of God's goodness of community change because the people decided enough's enough because the people decided that he's my God he's the God of the everyday miracle he's the God who raises the dead he's the God that's always got one more move even when it looks hopeless and dead and gone he's the God who's got one more move So that's what we learned from Elijah. What a character. Has that resonated with you? Let's pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.